Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. This is Johnny Tan, author of From My Mama's Kitchen, Food for the Soul, Recipes for Living. Welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio Show. My guest for this morning is Amy Newmark, the publisher and editor-in-chief for Chicken Soup for the Soul. Amy and I will be having a conversation about their latest additions. Chicken Soup for the Soul, Think Positive for Preteens, and Chicken Soup for the Soul, Think Positive for Teens. Both books are designed to inspire and give advice for growing up and being their best and providing the tools they need to handle whatever life throws at them. Good morning, Amy. Happy Tuesday and welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. How are you doing this morning? I'm great. It's exciting. We have these new books that go on sale today, two of them on the same day. Awesome. That's really beautiful. It is a pleasure to have you on the air with me. Chicken Soup for the Soul, Think Positive for Teens and Preteens, a very insightful book. I really love reading them. And also, it's basically a new design and so forth. So congratulations on this release today. Oh, thanks. Yeah, it's an experiment. We decided to make these books for preteens and teens smaller so they are at a lower price. I think the list price is ten ninety five, mm-hmm. and you know most places discount them below that. And um, they're smaller; they're like five by seven instead of five and a half by eight and a half. So they're significantly easier for a kid to you know curl up with in bed or carry around in a backpack. And we also made these books more interactive for kids. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. The, the design of the pages is more like magazines. We have what are called pull quotes. You know how you're reading a magazine article mm-hmm, and like an mm-hmm. interesting quote is pulled out and featured. So we mm-hmm. have a couple of those per story. We have quiz pages because kids love to fill out quizzes. We mm-hmm. have actually coloring pages, you know, the adult coloring kind of pages you know, <laughs> where you would use colored pencil, not crayon coloring pages, but the more grown-up kind of coloring pages. We have, we have inspirational quotes. So we did a lot to make these books really, really fun, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which we think is important for kids because we know that we're competing for their eyeballs Right. With, you know, YouTube and all these little videos that they like to watch and TikTok and all of that. And so (laughs) we know that kids still love to read, but we wanted to make this super fun for them so that if somebody gives them one of these books for the holidays, the kids are going to say, oh, wow, this looks, this is really cute. Look at this. Oh, my gosh. And they, you know, scroll through the pages and they say, this is really fun. And so that's what we did. Um, We really wanted to make this a new kind of experience because Mm -hmm. we know that kids over the last 25 years have loved our books for Mm preteens and teens. And I added up the numbers and I don't have all the sales because I really only have sales in the U S and Canada. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. in those two countries, I added them up and we sold more than 21 million copies wow. of our books for, yeah. And so that's for 
books for preteens and teens. And the thing is, that's not 21 million readers because you have to multiply that by a lot because a lot right, of those books right, right. went to classrooms where you might mm-hmm. have had 20 kids read one copy mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. Chicken Soup for the Teenage Soul or then in a family you might have had three kids read a book or somebody after their family was done, they passed it on to the cousins. So you have to multiply 21 million by a lot of people. And, um, and you'll find if you talk to people in their twenties or thirties, they all know chicken soup for the soul. They all grew up reading the book. And it's interesting because those people are now parents or aunts and uncles. And now they want to share that experience that they had with their children. And in fact, Mm -hmm. this year with everybody at home, and this whole kind of nostalgia thing going on, mm-hmm. the sales mm-hmm. of our really old books for preteens and teens have soared, absolutely soared. So we think that people are very ready to share these stories with their kids, but these books contain new stories written in the past 10 years or so. So they're uh, more modern stories, you know. And right. Right. You know, include things like cell phones and things that weren't around right. Right. 20, right. 25 years ago. <laughs> That's beautiful. Well, one of the things that I get from this book is that, first and foremost, you're right. I mean, of course, it's written by people that have experienced it who are now kind of adults, right? But the most important thing is that for from a parenting standpoint of view, I mean, let's face it now, we're never an expert in our own backyard. We have to have somebody else. <laughs> repeat the same thing that we're saying to our kids and then it rings a bell in them you know and so uh this book is just fantastic for that and besides that the book is beautifully designed i think it definitely catches the attention and first and foremost also the just the way it's laid out i think it it's not boring because the biggest challenge i think we all have in today's world is that oh my god it's so long i can't i don't have time to read it. But chicken soup has always been designed one story at a time. And that's just beautiful. And, you know, I think if kids read it one story at a time, it gives them a little bit of a chance to absorb the story and think about mm-hmm. the message. And you're so right that when their parents tell them something, they reject it. But if they read the <laughs> same advice in a story written by someone else who's maybe now in her 20s, but she's writing about something that happened when she right. was a teen. That really makes an impression. What we did to, to find the stories for this book is we went through the books that we had made for preteens and teens mm-hmm. in the last 10 years or so, and then we picked out the stories that we thought communicated the best, mm-hmm. the message that we wanted kids to to get about thinking positively and doing the right thing and standing up for what's right and valuing family and being kind to others. All of these values we want kids to have. So mm-hmm. at the end of each story, we tell the reader what book the story was originally published in, in case this piques their interest, which of course right. pleased parents and grandparents very much if the kid <laughs> says, you know, I want to go read Chicken Soup for this old teens talk high school now. I'm going to put right. that on my Christmas list. You know, that would be <laughs> terrific. So we tell them which books the stories were originally published in also in case they want to go on and do some more reading. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. And you're right about that because it, it's a buildup of everything. And the way you guys designed this book, it simply allows the kid to make 
the decision. And they like that. They don't want anything to be forced down to them to do this, to do that. And this allows them to let their curiosity to take over. Yeah, and we have really good chapters so that kids can look for the thing that is on their mind right now. Mm-hmm. So in mm-hmm. the preteens book, the first chapter is called Just Be You, right? Mm-hmm. Because it, at the preteen age, you know, 9, 10, 11, 12, <laughs> they're already feeling some pressure to be somebody they're not. And so we right. want to lead with that, that it's really important that you just be yourself and then the second chapter is make true friends because mm-hmm. that's the other thing kids learn is that there are some friends who are real friends and there are some friends who will drop you in a second, you know, <laughs> they got to start to get that skill of finding the right friends. And then that leads into a chapter called do the right thing because mm-hmm. kids need that peer pressure. They need to see the role model. They need another kid saying to them, look, I was presented with this difficult decision I did this hard thing, which was the right thing. And here's why I'm glad I did it. And here's why it was better for me to have done Mm -hmm. that. And then I'm a big proponent of stepping outside your comfort zone and trying new things, new things that make sense, not stupid new things, you know, (laughs) that don't go jump off your neighbor's, you know, garage roof, you know, (laughs) that's stupid, but smart things like try canoeing. You went to camp. You didn't think you would like it. Go ahead and try it. So we have, Chapter four is called Go Ahead and Try It. And then in chapter five, we have stories to remind kids that you can face your challenges. So we show kids facing their challenges and, you know, overcoming them. And in chapter six, in the preteens book, uh, we show them how to count your blessings because kids need to keep exercising that gratitude muscle and realizing Mm -hmm. what they have and not just, hey, I don't have the latest video game, but look what I do have. They need to have that reminder. And then chapter seven is treasure your family because this is the age when the kids start getting obnoxious and thinking their parents are stupid and their brother is annoying and all of that. And so we have stories (laughs) that really help them to think about that and realize that Their family really does consist of their favorite people. And then chapter eight is called Look Past the Obvious. Mm -hmm. So that's interesting. Like in that one, I have a story called The Nice Popular Girl. And it's about the fact that when I was a kid, my best friend was named Priscilla. And she actually is one of our For the Soul contributors now. Mm -hmm. But she was the most popular kid not only in the class, but in the whole grade, in fourth grade, fifth grade, sixth grade. And so if, if there was a boy who everybody thought was cute, that boy would like her. <laughs> she, was, she was good at everything. If she wore a certain thing, everybody wanted to wear that thing. Like I remember I went out, this was back when, you know, we still mm-hmm. wore shoes instead of sneakers to school. And I went out and right. bought my new shoes, you know, for the spring season. And I bought this pair of black shoes that I really liked, wore them to school. She loved them. She said to her mother, she wanted to go buy them. She went and got them the next day, but they didn't have black in her size. So she bought Navy blue. She -hmm. came back to school the next day wearing Navy blue. Every other girl in the class went out and bought those shoes in Navy (laughs) blue because she wore them. Mm -hmm. And I remember thinking, 
oh, my gosh, I started this with black, but now I don't have the right shoes because everybody's wearing navy blue because Priscilla's wearing navy blue. So I told this to her a few years ago now that we're, you know, adults. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. She said, I had no idea I was popular. I was so insecure. I'm Mm -hmm. totally shocked that you would have said that. So that's why I included that in a chapter Mm -hmm. called Look Past the Obvious. And then in the teens book, we have some of the same chapters on the same topics, um, but we also have a chapter called Look to the Future because teens are at that age where they need to start thinking about the consequences of their actions and what it means for getting a job when they graduate from high school or going to college when they graduate, you know, and, and some mm-hmm. actions can really have consequences like, you know, getting pregnant, things like that. Right. So. So we added that chapter to the Think Positive for Teens book, Look to the Future, mm-hmm. because we thought that was something that teens need to do. That's fabulous. That's fascinating. I love the stories. Like I say again, they are very impactful. And it sort of brings back old memories like you were talking about, because these are things that, well, guess what? We're all pre-teens and teens at one time. So we may have our own circle that we we operate in or uh, you know, or, or lived in basically, right? But we're in that age group, and in that age group, we have almost that what we call timeless challenges, opportunity, and the things that we can create for the future. One of the things I really like about the book is also, and I mentioned this to you before, by the way, <laughs> about the diversity that is in the authors because you have men in the authors and you have people from overseas and I've seen that before in the past and so please tell us a little bit about how chicken soup handles today diverse community in the United States as a matter of fact well we have a diverse group of employees I think we went through the list recently and Mm -hmm. our our number of people of color is the same percentage. I think we actually exceed the percentage of the people of color, you know, in the adult mm-hmm. U.S. population. Yeah. Um, so our staff is diverse, but we, of course, we don't really know how many people of color we publish because how mm-hmm. would we know? Mm-hmm. We're not asking mm-hmm. people to fill out a form. Right. But we do know that we have a diverse group of contributors in terms of religions, um, where they live, And what we try to do in our pages is introduce you to people you wouldn't get to talk to in your normal life. And that even includes putting men in because men have a harder time (laughs) sharing, you know, their deeper feelings. Right. And Mm -hmm. so we try to give men a platform also to share their biggest challenges, you know, the milestone moments in their lives because, they have feelings too. They just don't always <laughs> like to wear them on their sleeve. I mean, if I asked you to pub, to give us a story, say for <laughs> an upcoming book for mm-hmm. preteens, um, mm-hmm. what would you write about? Oh, it's a toughie. It, it really is, because you have to go back and reach in. And in for me, the first thing that uh, grabs me is the fact that I found out that I was adopted during my preteen years. And it was kind of by accident because my sister and I fights like cats and dogs. And she one day just burst out and said, do you realize that you are so different from all of us because you're adopted? 
That's why you always do things differently. And you bought it heck out of me. It's like, no, I'm not adopted. You are, because it's on your birth certificate. No, you are adopted. And so we went back and forth. And finally, I went to the kitchen to confront my mom. And I think she was about to drop dead right there when I said, well, Lang told me that I'm adopted. <laughs> Needless to say, <laughs> that was a shockwave. But at that time, when I was going through that, having had the chance to really let it sink, I felt extremely lonely because I wasn't good enough, so to speak. I wonder why people gave me away. And so that was a difficult period in my life just for that time where, you know, like say, oh, my, oh my God, I mean, what I've been living, it's really not real, I guess. That would be the first thing that came to mind because, you know, as, as kids, we take things literally, right? And so, but the flip side of it, because the fact that we take it literally, then as my mom explained to me the fact that they wanted to have me because they wanted to have a son, slowly won me over from a standpoint of like, okay, let's look back real quick right here. Have I been treated right? Have I been getting the things that I want and this and that, all that kind of stuff. And then so the plus side starts to add up to balance off the minus side of the equation of the balance sheet, so to speak. And then we just kind of left it at that. And I just kind of moved on, not really getting into uh, real heavy into it because I knew it was painful for my mom and I did not want to hurt my mom at the time. And it's only until when she came and visited me in the United States when I was about 25, when she told me the rest of the story. And so that was really, really cool. Well, yeah, I think if you read a lot of Chicken Soup for the Soul stories written by adoptees, but also mothers who gave up their children for adoption, mm-hmm. you would realize how loved you were by the mother who gave you up also because what a sacrifice she made hoping that someone else could give you a bigger, better life than she thought she could give you, right? I guess yes. as an oh, adult, definitely. you probably realize that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And that's the beauty of it. My mom has always invited my, uh, I guess, uh, you know, maternal mom to all my events. And I did not know that in terms of, like, I knew her, but we never officially sort of uh, acknowledge each other from a mom-son kind of thing, but she's always been an, a wonderful auntie. Oh, well, that's great that you actually knew your birth mother all along. That's mm-hmm. wonderful. Mm-hmm. And that made it easier for her because she didn't have to leave you altogether. She still got to be a part of your life and see how you were doing. Yeah. Uh, you know, major events, like, she's able to 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 be involved with. And then, uh, obviously, uh in my situation is that uh, this is, of course, you know, I've been taught since I was a kid, uh, special occasions to always buy something. You know, it's like a gift. It's like you go to someone's house or you, uh, Christmas, you buy a gift, right? So even as a kid, uh, I would do something special for my maternal mom. And, and, but this is the funny thing, though. We never acknowledged the mother-son relationship, but rather I... I am a nephew, I guess, probably would be the best way to put it, right? And doing something nice for my auntie. Did she know that you knew that she was your birth mother? 
That I don't know. Good question. Interesting. That I don't know. Yeah. 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 That's very that I don't interesting. Know. Yeah. So huh. that, no, something very different. <laughs> that is very different. All right. Well, you'll have to write that for us one day. <laughs> oh, thanks for the invite on that. The let's talk about what would you like for the readers to gain from reading these two books? Because I think in the end, that's the most important thing. I guess if there was one thing they would come away with, it's that you are enough and being you is enough. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be someone else. And I had, I have chapters about, you know, just be you in think positive for preteens and think positive for teens. So, Here's a story that I really, really love, which combines that mm-hmm. concept with the concept of making true friends. And this is a story mm-hmm. by Victoria Fedden. And she says in her story that she used to see the popular girls at their table in the middle school cafeteria. And she would wish that she could sit at their table. Mm-hmm. But then she walked by their table one day and they made fun of her for some reason And she went and sat down with her own friends. And then she thought, why would I even want to be friends with people who are so mean? And so then she looked around and she saw this boy sitting by himself. And she just impulsively said to him, come and sit with us. So he came over and he turned out to be really cool. And she says that from then on, they made a point to invite to their table anyone who the popular Mm -hmm. girls had made fun of. And Victoria's table ended up being the most popular (laughs) table in the cafeteria. And even a couple of girls who got kicked out of the popular table came over to Victoria's (laughs) table. And then she realized that her table was truly the popular table in the middle school cafeteria. And it was a table where they treated people right. And they were very welcoming to people. And it's so important for kids to hear. And I, I followed that story with another one from mm-hmm. Denise Reich. So this is also in Chicken Soup for the Soul, Think mm-hmm. Positive for Preteens. And Denise grew up in a community where a lot of kids had designer clothing from Abercrombie or wherever. <laughs> but her mom, she had a single mom. She couldn't afford to buy Denise the expensive clothes. And finally, Denise begged her mom for one designer item and she received one for Christmas and she wore it to school. And then one of the really shallow classmates who was into designer clothing complimented Denise on this item of clothing. And then Denise realized, I'm not getting any pleasure from wearing this. And she realized, you know, I'm not defined by what I wear. And she realized that the only person she had to impress was herself. Mm -hmm. you know, and that the clothing really didn't matter. And I thought that was a really good thing for kids to hear because, you know, that's a big deal when Mm -hmm. you're in middle school and kids are kind of shallow about things and not everybody can afford to wear the right shoes or the right clothing (laughs) according to whatever everybody thinks is fashionable. That's true. Very, very true. By the way, you're listening to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio, our podcast are available on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Teachers Radio, Blueberry Podcasting, TuneIn Radio, Mixcloud, Podchaser, Listen Notes, and Hot Hopper. I'm Johnny Tan, your host, and my guest for this morning is Amy Newmark, the publisher and editor-in-chief for Chicken Soup for the Soul. We're having a conversation about their latest editions, 
chicken soup for the soul, think positive for preteens, and chicken soup for the soul, think positive for teens. Both books are designed to inspire and give advice for growing up and being their best and providing the tools they need to handle whatever life throws at them. Amy, let's talk about chapter three. I love this chapter, doing, Do the Right Thing. And the story that I really like is I Pledge Allegiance by Beth Cato. Yeah, so this has to do with peer pressure and the mm-hmm. fact that kids can really give up their values and through peer pressure stop doing what they know is right for them. Mm-hmm. And so Beth Cato was really excited when she started junior high, but she had gym or PE for the first period. And so she was always in the girls' locker room when the principal recited the Pledge of Allegiance over the school's PA system. Mm -hmm. So Beth was shocked because the other girls in the locker room would just be talking right through the Pledge of Allegiance, paying no attention. And even the gym teachers would ignore it and would talk through it. Whereas Beth would stand there with her, hand over her heart and she would recite the pledge of allegiance and the other girls looked at her like she was crazy and they tried to Mm -hmm. embarrass her and finally one of the girls said to her you know why do you do the pledge every day you don't have to and Beth said well my grandfather who recently died was a veteran and very proud of it and here we are living in a navy town I mean they were in a navy town and these kids weren't doing Mm -hmm. the pledge you know and it was all peer pressure and so you know, now she's an adult thinking back on it and realizing she's really glad that she stood up for what she believed in. Because imagine how she would feel now if she hadn't done the pledge and how ashamed she'd be of not following through on what was right for her. And I think that right. would apply to, say, a kid who grows up maybe saying grace before starting a meal, you know, and maybe ashamed mm-hmm. out of doing that in the cafeteria. And I mean, I didn't raise my kids to say grace, but some people do raise their kids to say grace. You don't want your kid to be shamed out of doing feels right for him or her. So there are a lot of things that kids could be shamed out of doing. And this was a good role model for them to keep doing what is right for you in the way that you've been raised in your family. So true. And not only that, that's coming back to that full circle of chapter one when we talk about just be you, the authentic you. Yeah, I mean, there's just so much peer pressure to do everything. Like in chapter um, four, we have a girl named Zulima Anahi, um, and she got a cell phone. So this is a peer pressure thing, right? She got a cell phone (laughs) for her 12th birthday, pretty common age to get the cell phone. And then she took it to school, and then she hardly paid any attention in class because she was so busy, you know, looking at her phone under her desk. And her grades started to decline immediately. And she was ignoring her family at home as well. And the kids, they have this attitude, like fear of missing out, you know, FOMO, F-O-M-O, mm-hmm. where, oh, my God, I don't want to miss, you know, the latest posting from some teen idol or some <laughs> Instagram or, or whatever my friend just put on Facebook or, you know, mm-hmm. I have to be in the middle of every conversation. And it's just so dumb, right? It's such a stupid <laughs> way for it them to spend their time it's so bad for their brains well anyway her mom finally said to her it's like you have your own little world now and we don't communicate as much with your phone between us and so 
Sulema started to realize that the phone really was coming between her and her real world. Her real world had mm-hmm. her family in it and her friends and, you know, live friends, not on-screen friends. I mean, have you ever been to a restaurant? You see a bunch of teenage <laughs> girls, and they're sitting around, and they're looking at their phones, and right. there's four of them sitting at a table, and they're not even speaking to each other. I mean, for all I know, they're texting each other. Right. You know, they're, they're, they're speaking, there, but they're not yeah, speaking. Looking at each other, <laughs> right? And so Zulima decided to put her phone down for an entire day to see what would happen. She had the best time because she actually mm-hmm. participated in life instead right. of the fake life of being on <laughs> the phone. So I thought that was a great example. I mean, I tried to put stories in these books that are very relatable for the kids, mm-hmm. but okay. where their parents will be silently saying, thank you so much, Amy, for making <laughs> my kid read this story because the story was really good for him or really good for her. You know, right. so that's what I'm trying to do. This is like a little secret weapon for parents and grandparents <laughs> to get the kids on the right track through these stories mm-hmm. that are very entertaining for them, um, right. but are right. actually really good for them also. So true. Very, very true. One of the stories that I really like in Chapter 6, the title of the chapter, by the way, is Count Your Blessings. And the story is Learning to Love My Messy Life by Suzanne D. Vida. And this is an awesome yeah. story. <laughs> this falls into the category of you don't always know what's going on in someone else's head, right? And also mm-hmm. teaching kids, be grateful for what you have. Don't go yearning for what you don't have. Because in this case, Suzanne DeVita lived in this noisy, messy house that was crammed full with her parents and five siblings. So there were six kids plus the parents in this house. And it was always just, a, you know, an uproar at her house. And she had this friend, Michelle, who lived in a really big, tidy, quiet house. There was a nanny mm-hmm. and a housekeeper but her parents weren't home. They were both at work all the time. And Michelle had this big house, but she was lonely. And when she would come to Suzanne's house, Michelle would have such a great time. She'd be sitting there at dinner amid the chaos, beaming. And she said to Suzanne, you're so lucky you have such a big family. And Suzanne all of a sudden realized, oh, my gosh, my crowded, messy, loud house filled with too many children (laughs) It really is like paradise. And so she learned to appreciate what she had versus what her rich friend had in her big, empty, lonely house. <laughs> so true. So true. I thought that was something really interesting because you never appreciate what you have. And you're always looking you like, what were they saying? Like, what, what is it? The, the, the cliche? It's the other side the of the rainbow. The grass is or always like greener. That? Yeah. The grass is always greener on the other side of the fence. Exactly. <laughs> then you walk over there and you see all the brown spots there too. So true. So true. What's your favorite story in Chapter 8? Well, we have a contributor I love. Her name is Courtney Conover, and she's a terrific mm-hmm. writer. And um, she talks a lot about – well, she talks really openly about milestones in her life. And one of the milestones she talks about occurred in – fifth grade where this new kid came in and there was this new kid who was, you know, one of the girls who grew early, her name Mm -hmm. was May and she was five foot eight and they were in fifth grade. And so this girl would probably have gotten teased for being such a big girl. So instead she became a bully. 
And that was her defense mechanism. And she terrified Courtney, and she started threatening that she would cut off Courtney's braids. And so Courtney told her mom she didn't want to go to school anymore because she was so afraid of this girl, May. And her mom said that you just have to show her you're not afraid. She thrives on making others scared. So don't be afraid of her. If, you can, if she can see that you're not afraid, she'll stop. Really, she's just like everyone else. She just wants to fit in and make friends, but she doesn't know how. And so Courtney decided to be brave and actually talk to May and be nice to her. And so she went up to May and she said that they could walk home together and maybe watch something on Nickelodeon. And May was so surprised, but then she smiled at Courtney. She said yes, and then she stopped being a bully to Courtney and they became friends and the whole danger was averted and it made Courtney realize that most bullies are just lonely and insecure and Mm -hmm. you know kids don't know the right way to handle that so they act like bullies instead to protect themselves so I thought that was a good lesson for kids right right and it's very true though because you're right because I'm making noise so that I get attention yeah and also by being scary she mm-hmm. was trying to keep people from bullying her. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So true. So true. Let's jump into teens. Think positive for teens. And you all have some really wonderful, wonderful chapters and stories. In chapter one, be you. And again, this is coming back to at the age where you have to decide who you want to be. And the story that I really like to kick it off is, Fitting In by Brianne Monet. Yeah, so Brianne was really surprised when this kind of popular, fashionable girl named Ashley started hanging out with her. Uh, Brianne had spent ninth grade without making any really good friends. And then they both went to summer school. And during summer school, Brianne became friendly with this popular girl, Ashley. And so when they went into 10th grade, the friendship continued at least. Brienne thought the friendship continued, but then one day she overheard Ashley and her friends talking and her friends were saying that Brienne was a loser and was always just trying to copy Ashley. Well, Brienne was so upset and she went home and told her mother and her mother said, just be yourself and people will like you for who you are. And then Brienne realized that those mean girls were right. She had been copying (laughs) Ashley. She hadn't been herself. She'd been trying to be Ashley. And then she realized they really gave her a gift by pointing out to her this very painful fact. And it opened her eyes. And she ended up going and getting a part in the school play and making new friends and having a great school year after all, being herself and not trying to fit in with this fashionable, popular girl who just wasn't really her type of girl. So true. What I like about that story is that it reminded me, even though I was growing up with about, I would think about 15 of us, plus minus two to three years or so, difference in age. But I sometimes tend to be the oddball because I just didn't want to fit in just because everybody does this, everybody does that. And in the end, when I guess at 18, when I came to the United States, and this is interesting, though. Somehow, I've lost touch with all my friends. For better or worse, I don't know. But I'm, I did not really initiate to keep track. 
nor did they initiate to keep track, and I just let it go as is. And it, it doesn't Sometimes really bother me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you probably didn't have the right friends or you changed. I mean, I know a lot of people who give up their childhood friends and mm-hmm. end up making their really good friends in college or even mm-hmm. in their first jobs because people change. And right. maybe you you become more yourself in later years, and that's when you find the real keeper friends. I mean, that right. happens. Right. So, right. you know, it's a growing process. It's always it, it's always okay to do like a friend audit and figure <laughs> out which you know. It's, friends are like this. I don't know this garden in your life, and you should weed, you know, and make sure you keep the right ones and get right, rid of the right. wrong ones. So, sure. I think that. I think that friends are an ongoing process. I really do. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. I know for women, that's definitely the case. Right. Um, well, you know what? I want to talk about another thing that we really mm-hmm. stressed a lot in Think Positive for Teens, and that's mm-hmm. self-respect. Mm-hmm. What an age that is. You're in high school, right. middle school, right. later years of middle school, you're in high school. If you don't have that self-esteem and self-respect, you're going to make the wrong friends. You're going to conduct yourself the wrong way. And so we have this story. Um, it's in that chapter in Think Positive for Teens called Be You. Mm-hmm. And it's about this girl, Christine Dixon, who asked her boyfriend, Jack, to go shopping with her when she needed a new bathing suit. And she tried on a bikini and showed it to him. And he got this funny look on his face. And then he said that he thought she should lose a few pounds if she wanted to wear a bikini. Oh, and wow. she was so <laughs> upset and she joined a gym the very next day. She met a guy there named Brian and he, he was surprised when she said she needed to lose weight in order to wear a bikini. And Christine says she ended up breaking up with that guy, Jack, who made her feel bad about herself. And she <laughs> began dating Brian and said, the one who thought she looked just fine the day that mm-hmm. she walked into the gym and that was a huge lesson for her in self-respect. And, of course, body image is such a problem for teens, you know, yeah. girls and boys. Um, they have to accept the type, that the body type they were given and just be the fittest within that body type. But some are going to be scrawny, thin. Some are <laughs> going to be curvier, you know, you're, you're issued your body type at birth, basically, and you just work with that. And that's such a tough lesson for kids. Right, right. That's true, though. And again, that circle back to the idea of wanting to fit in or am I not good enough to be part of this group? And so you either, what was the, the I, I was trying to get to this, now I forgot, but there's a, a nice, wonderful quote that either you be the leader or the follower and so at the teenage years you do want to be your own leader not leader of the pack necessarily but at least be your own leader which means you're trusting your own judgment you're totally right that's That's when you're trusting your judgment and you are the leader of yourself and that's a really really great concept yeah so another thing kids have trouble with growing up is Mm -hmm. Those kind of adult things, like <laughs> difficult things, like what do you do if someone's parent dies, right? Yeah. How do you handle that? Yeah. And so we have a story from Lisa Pettit, and there was a boy in her school 
who she was friendly with, but she didn't know his parents, and his father died. And her mother said, we're going to the funeral. And Lisa said, but I don't know his father. I don't think I'm supposed to go to the funeral. And her mother explained to her, you go to a funeral for the people who are living, not for the person who died. And so Mm -hmm. Lisa was really scared because think about it. You're 14. You're going to a funeral. That's really scary. It's for a kid your age who's lost a parent. You have no idea what to do or say. So her mother went with her, and Lisa stayed glued to her mother's side. And Lisa ended up saying they didn't do anything extraordinary. They didn't bring flowers. They didn't make food. They didn't have fond memories of Brian's father to share with the kid Brian who was in her class. But she could see that Brian was grateful that they showed up just to show that they cared. And Lisa came away with a lifelong lesson, you know, which is mm-hmm. if friends are grieving, go to them. And that's a lesson people have to learn as adults too, because sometimes we have a friend who has say um, a family member who's dying or has died. And sometimes we don't know what to do and we stay away from the situation. And the best thing to do is to dive in, just close your eyes and dive in because that's really what your friend wants you to do. Mm-hmm. Diving mm-hmm. in is always the right decision. Um, and so, you know, a lot of the lessons in these books, you know, if parents read these stories, they're going to realize these are really good life lessons for everybody and reminders mm-hmm. of what we should all do. Like there's another story um, in that in that chapter in Think Positive mm-hmm. 14, um, and it's called Speaking Up. And I love this story. <laughs> this is one of my favorite stories we've ever published. So it's by Alexis Streb. And she had a brother who was on the autism spectrum, a little brother. And when he became, you know, diagnosed as a special needs child, that's when she started paying attention to all the special needs kids that were at school. Right. And they were on, you know, like sometimes they're picked up on that smaller school bus. Well, Alexis was in band practice one day and her band teacher told the class that they were quote, playing like the kids on the short bus, which was a terrible thing to say. And Alexis was Mm -hmm. shocked. And she was new to this school, and she knew this might be really embarrassing, and it was really scary. But she raised her hand, and she said to this teacher, I don't think we should make fun of the short bus, because there are a lot of people on that bus who have great personalities and have the same feelings we do. And the classroom went very quiet, and everyone stared at Alexis. But her teacher apologized. And Alexa says it was embarrassing and difficult, but she had done the right thing. She says, I had spoken the truth and what others in the class were probably thinking. Mm -hmm. And so she was a leader that day, like you were referring to. She was a leader in the classroom. But imagine if she hadn't done that, how bad she would have felt. So sometimes doing the right thing is hard, but here's a great role model for kids for speaking up when you see somebody being divisive or biased or being discriminatory. These are really important things to speak up about. So true. I love that story. Beautiful story. You're listening to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. Our podcasts are available on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Teachers Radio, Blueberry Podcasting, TuneIn Radio, Mixcloud, Podchaser, Listen Notes, and Hop Hopper. My guest is Amy Newmark, the publisher and editor-in-chief for Chicken Soup for the Soul. 
We're having a conversation about their latest additions, Chicken Soup for the Soul, Think Positive for Preteens, and Chicken Soup for the Soul, Think Positive for Teens. Both books are designed to inspire and give advice for growing up and being their best and providing the tools they need to handle whatever life throws at them. I'm your host, Amy. Let's go to chapter six. And you know me about blessings. <laughs> and this chapter is wonderful. Count your blessings. And the story is The Lucky One by Diane Stock. So Diane was in high school and she went to the drugstore and she saw a girl there named Megan who was perfect. Most popular girl in the high school. And Diane thought Megan probably was unlikable because she was so perfect and popular. Um, But then she realized at the drugstore that Megan was friendly. And they walked out to Diane's car together. And Megan saw that someone had written on Diane's car windows, I love you. You are beautiful. I believe in you. (laughs) And she said to Diane, oh, I didn't know you had a boyfriend. And Diane said, no, I don't. It was my father who wrote those things. And Megan suddenly had tears in her eyes and said her father would never do anything like that. She said, I'd give anything to be in a family like that. And the two girls became friends. And months later, Megan, the popular perfect girl, admitted Mm -hmm. to Diane how jealous she was of her and said, you know, everybody thinks I have this great life, but I have struggles. Mm -hmm. And Diane says that Megan showed her that she was the lucky one. And, of course, this also fits into that whole idea of you don't always know what goes on inside someone else's house. And it really is interesting to see years later somebody who was considered to be so popular and really was suffering all the same angst and anxieties as every other kid in middle school or high school. What I take away from that story is the fact that how parents can impact their loved ones by those simple positive affirmations that sometimes never happen. It's true because even if even if you have kids, and I remember that when the kids were going through the obnoxious stage where <laughs> you know they weren't listening to you, you just have to power through it. You have to keep Mm -hmm. saying the nice things to them because they're secretly listening and absorbing it all. So it's not that you should be saying to kids, oh, that's the best picture I've ever seen. If your kid is not a great artist, you can just say, oh, that's the best picture I've I've seen you ever make. You know, you can say something positive, (laughs) not a lie. Because if you just praise everything, then you lose all of your credibility. Right, Um, right. Yeah, so... But also parents can be such great role models mm-hmm. teaching their kids through action the the character traits they want them to have. Like I actually met the woman who wrote um, this story. Oh, here's another another blessing for you. This is a story mm-hmm. called the, the Greatest Blessing, and it's in that Count Your Blessings chapter uh-huh. and Think Positive for Teens, and it's by Savannah Castle. And I got to meet her and her mother, Mm-hmm. when we had a dinner in the Philadelphia area for Philadelphia area contributors and everybody got to bring a guest and Savannah brought her mom. Oh. And I was really glad she did because her mom was such a great role model. So her mom was a single mother who worked several jobs and they never had a lot of money mm-hmm. and it was really hard to make ends meet. And then when Savannah was 15, 
her mom started dating a guy who she ended up marrying, and then things got easier for them financially, and so they could afford groceries, et cetera. And then after her mom married uh, this guy, um, a new family began, began attending their church, and Savannah knew that this family didn't have a lot of money, and she was at that family's house with her friend at lunch uh, one day and saw that they hardly had any food and went home and told her mom. And her mom took her to the grocery store, and the two of them bought all kinds of groceries and took them right over to that family's house. And Savannah was so proud of her mom. She says, what a great example she set for me that day, though our intentions were to bless our friends, 13 years later, I still feel like I'm the one who received the greatest blessing. One of my most cherished memories with my mom. <laughs> you know, doing charitable acts together, kids right. and parents, it's a great bonding moment in families. Mm-hmm. A lot of families mm-hmm. do those things together. Even, you know, doing the Thanksgiving dinner at the you know local food pantry, whatever it is. Right. Really, really makes an impression on the kids. Right. That's true. Well, a lot of times as a parent, I guess you have to be, for lack of a better term, firm and sort of guarded in a way. Right. Because you don't want to give the wrong signal. But then when you go and do charitable work, that sort of the authentic you comes out naturally and who best uh, you know, uh, who's the best person to be there with you is your loved one so that they can really see the beautiful you, the inner you. Yeah, I think it's, I mean, I, I think people feel so great when they do charitable acts. Mm-hmm. And at this time of year, we really have a great opportunity mm-hmm. to do those things with our kids, our grandkids. Everybody feels wonderful after engaging in some kind of charitable holiday activity. It's a little harder <laughs> this year, right? Right. But you right. can do something. You could go and buy some toys and donate them to Toys for Tots. You know, there are things <laughs> you can do <laughs> that are still appropriate, even during the pandemic. Right, right. So true. Well, you guys close out the teen book perfectly. Chapter 8 is about look to the future. And the story that I really like is Food Should Be Fun by Fallon Kane. Yeah, this is such an important issue for kids, right? Because of the body image issues <laughs> and kids trying to make their bodies something that they're not or kids looking in the mirror and not seeing that they're already slender and somehow right. wanting to go beyond that, partly because of the very poor role models we have in society with our you know, starving fashion mm-hmm. models who – you know, eat a lettuce leaf and then have to run a mile to (laughs) burn it off. But anyway, Fallon Kane um, had started having an eating disorder when she was 15 and she had made a New Year's resolution to lose weight and she cut out chocolate, milk and juice and favored drinking water. Well, that's a fine thing to do. But then she started scaling down her portions and she already loved running and was a member of a gym, but she started kicking up her workouts and really overdoing it. And she got so thin that, you know, the school nurse saw it, her mom saw it. Luckily, she was still willing to watch cooking shows on TV. And it was really like a substitute for eating, but at least it showed her 
that food is supposed to be fun. Food is not your enemy. Food is a wonderful part of your day. And so through watching those food shows, she got back on track and realized that she could eat well and eat the right portion sizes and it wouldn't make her fat. And Mm -hmm. so she says, I recognize that I need to put nutritious food into my body, but I also know that the occasional pizza and the more than occasional piece of chocolate will not hurt me. (laughs) And, um, you know, I told you that in the book, we have um, inspirational quotes and we have coloring pages and stuff like that. And um, we actually uh, put in a page um, in, in one of these books where we had something about, I think we, I think I wrote it myself. It was was something like food, fun, fuel, something like that, you know, where Mm -hmm. we try to make these associations that food is fuel. Right. You know, it's really important for kids to develop that proper attitude towards food at this age so they don't go into their adulthood binge eating or, you know, wildly swinging their weight up and down. They can develop these habits early on and keep them for life. Right. So true. So true. Do you have any other particular stories that you kind of like to touch in Chapter 8? Well... I mean, it's a little bit of a downer, but it's also, I think, a really good thing for kids to be presented with, even though, you know, there's less social interaction now because of the pandemic. But I think kids really need to understand the consequences of their actions. And, of course, drinking is a huge Mm -hmm. problem and drinking and driving problem. And so no matter how often their parents tell them, you know, drinking is bad, Drinking and driving is even worse. Kids need to hear it from a a peer. And so I did include a story by Michaela Fenwick in Think Positive for Teens. It's the last story in the book. And it's about a girl who went to a party and she had some drinks, even though she knew she shouldn't have been. And she didn't even remember how she got home, but she got home and then she was throwing up and then she fell asleep. And in the morning she woke up to her parents crying and her really good friend, her friend since she was five years old had been killed in a car accident because she had gotten into her car after drinking, didn't put her seatbelt on, didn't turn her headlights on, got on the highway, drove too fast on the wrong side of the road, got hit by a truck and was killed. And the driver of that truck was in a coma. It was a disaster. Mm-hmm. And it was such a lesson for Michaela about not drinking. And I think, you know, if, if a kid can read this story and it penetrates their brain and causes right. them to engage in less risky behavior, so worth it to have included it. Right, right. You're right about that. And especially during this new normal with all the things going on right now and for the upcoming holiday season as well. So the story that you just shared is just a timely story. Yeah, because kids are dumb. The smartest kids do the dumbest things, you know, and Mm -hmm. every kid is dumb. It doesn't matter how great your kid is. (laughs) Behind your back, the kid is doing something dumb. 
And so right. it's really important that we present them with stories like this. We don't have right. to say a word. Just give them the book. Hope mm-hmm. they read the story. And right. if we don't say anything, it's probably going to help change their behavior. That's right. So true. So what are Chicken Soup's plan for the upcoming holiday season? Well, we have uh, two books. We also have a really fun book out. Um, always the books come out in October, which seems so early for Christmas, but the <laughs> retailers like them. So we have a book out called um, Chicken Soup for the Soul, Christmas is in the Air, which is really nice. There's actually a cool story in there about family bonding during the pandemic and how mm-hmm. uh, this woman's kids back in you know March and April were saying to her, feels like Christmas every day because we're together, <laughs> which is you know one of the positive aspects right. of the pandemic, if we can try to find some silver linings, and that is that families are spending a lot more time together and maybe the parents are sitting down and playing games with their kids and going on walks with the kids and going on bike rides and, you know, doing things with the kids because they have the time to do it with the kids. Mm -hmm. Um, And we also have a book coming out in November called chicken soup for the soul. Age is just a number. So we've talked preteens and teens, but in age is just a number. We're talking about people in their 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, (laughs) and all of the things they can do and all of the positive role models for them. So that's what we have going on. We also, you know, we have this entertainment business. We have a lot Mm -hmm. of great programming. So we, we have this business called Crackle, which is one of these television and movie streaming services where you can watch TV shows and movies for free. Um, it's crackle.com. Cool. And there's an app, Crackle, also. We also have one called Popcorn Flicks. So that's fun. And my <laughs> husband and I have been watching shows on Crackle. We just watched uh, the whole first season of this kind of scary but fun sci-fi thriller called <laughs> Bides, which we really enjoyed, although I – couldn't watch it right before going to bed because it was creepy, <laughs> but, but that was fun. I, I highly recommend that for, you know, teens mm-hmm. and up. Um, that was really fun. So yeah, we're, we're out there really helping people during the pandemic with all of these free TV shows and movies that they can watch on crackle.com. Awesome. That's wonderful. As we close the show, what wonderful recipes would you like to share with our listeners this morning? Well, so I, I said to you that I thought there were a lot of good lessons in these books for adults mm-hmm. as well. And so I wrote down, you know, some of the lessons that I got from these books. And of course, one of them was to speak up and stand up. And that would apply to casting your vote as well and stand right. up for what you think is right. Um, another great lesson from these books is whenever you have that instinct to be kind and supportive of somebody, don't second guess it, just do it. You know, like that girl who went to the funeral at her mother's urging. And then another great lesson is to do things that are right and do things that are kind for people, even if nobody is watching it, even if nobody will know that you're doing it because the greatest beneficiary of that is you. You will feel so good. And these kids in these stories talk about how doing the right thing made them feel so good. Forget about who right. they were doing the right thing for. For themselves, it made such a difference. Um, and so those are some of 
the lessons that I picked up. And I guess one final lesson would be to take the extra minute to do the right thing, do it right. You know, if it takes one extra moment to clean that counter properly, (laughs) to iron that shirt properly, to wash that car properly, you know, whatever it is, it takes only a moment to do it a tiny bit better. Just go ahead and do it because you really come away feeling so much better. So true. That's really true. Amy, thank you for the great recipes for living and for spending this hour with me on From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. To all our listeners, please join me tomorrow morning, Wednesday, October 28th. My guest will be Rebecca Whitehead Munts. She is an award-winning author and speaker, healthcare change catalyst, and value creator. Rebecca has been a featured Maria Shriver architect of change on surviving grief and has shared her healing true yoga stories at mindbodygreen.com. We will be having a conversation about her remarkable life's journey and her latest award-winning book, All of Us Warriors, Cancer Stories of Survival and Loss. For additional information about this show and future shows, please go to frommymamaskitchentalkradio.com. Thank you for listening, and have a blessed week. As always, Amy, it has been a true pleasure. Thank you again, and have a wonderful, blessed day. I enjoyed it immensely. Thanks so much. Thank you. Bye-bye.